0: This podcast is sponsored by Low No Drinker magazine, the number one UK magazine for the sober curious drinker, bringing you news, reviews and interviews from the people, places and brands leading the low and no alcohol revolution. As a Sober Rebel listener, use code SOBERREBEL15 to get 15% off any digital or print subscription from the Low No Drinker magazine for six whole months. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Sober Rebel podcast. I'm Louisa Evans and I invite my guests on to talk about the benefits of sobriety, the things they've noticed that have changed for the better. We talk a bit about how they got sober, but also why they stay sober. In this show, we focus on the plus points, because we know that going sober isn't an easy thing to do, but it does make life easier. And so today, welcome to this episode where I'm talking to Fran, also known as the sober extrovert. we've got so much in common, including our sober start dates. So let's get stuck straight in. Fran, hello, how are you?
1: Hi, Louisa, thank
0: you for having me. Oh, it's brilliant to talk to you. I've been watching you for a long time. In fact nearly a year. Yeah it's been almost a year. It will be in January the 1st. And so what was that like for you? Let's talk about because for me I know that autumnal period that we're just about to come into last year was one of the darkest times for me with my drinking and with my sobriety. Not that I drank more but my mindset shifted around my drinking and I was really fed up with it and I didn't want to be doing it but then I realised how much of a hold it had over me what was it like for you yeah I mean it was very similar
1: and interesting that you use the term like the hold on you because that's what it had felt like and I think I'd had a very crazy summer I'd lost a lot of weight I was really proud of that I'd started a new job and I kind of just went out I went on holiday alone it was very heavy drinking so when it reached up to autumn I was kind of exhausted from it all and kind of the high was over the high point of celebrating and socializing and sun and obviously heavily drinking and starting to get to the end of the year I wouldn't say it was depression but like a darkness started to creep in where I knew that my drinking was a huge problem and like you said it had a hold on me and I didn't know how, I I was just probably going to do dry January. I didn't have a plan of action. Then when Christmas hit, that Christmas period, it was just no fun. It was kind of drinking in isolation and always to excess and kind of inescapable. The hold was inescapable. And I ended up going to an AA meeting, kind of out of that desperation. Because what was your drinking like then? Do you know, I thought about this a lot, like, cause I, I've just gone nine months over. and I don't know about you, but the different periods of my sobriety bring back different memories. Obviously I'm growing in different ways, different pain, different, it's just a new experience. I feel like I'm learning and remembering more as each month goes on. And I thought the other day, what was my drinking like? And just to sum it up for you, it was always in excess. It kind of ended up being alone. Initially, very sociable, and um, very hard for me to know whether I actually went out to socialise or whether I went out to drink. The two was very closely intertwined, but I just couldn't stop drinking. So once, no matter how late it would be, I would always come back home and I would have more alcohol here. And I would drink alone till five, six, seven in the morning. It was horrible, really. And I, I didn't drink daily. It was at least once a week. Sometimes I'd go two or three weeks without it. But I'd say on average, I was drinking every weekend, sometimes with a little bit of wine in the week. And I get—I guess, guess after a while, I mean, I know this now, but looking back, my whole life revolved around drinking. If I'm being completely honest, it was the thing that I looked forward to the most. And in hindsight, I feel like I organised everything else in my life around drinking.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's very familiar. And the fact that you could go in the week and then only drink at weekends, that's quite common. But it's not that common then for somebody to say, right, enough's enough. If you can go two, three weeks without it, what made you then say, no, no, I'm going to go to an AA meeting. It's
1: funny that you said that because I think that's one of the problems is that, or not one of the problems, but why people don't stop or don't think it's a problem is because of the constant justification. Oh, I'm only, I can go two or three weeks. The thing is towards the end of the drinking, I started to get anxiety before I'd even pick up the drink. I would know what I was in for and I'd have to like really, it was almost like I was forcing myself to drink the first two not enjoying it at all just I wanted the feeling not even the taste drinking for me after a while was like this medication or magic dust that would just give me a feeling and it was that feeling I was craving but I, I think what made me kind of get to the end of my tether with it was I'd had an accident in the summer where I hit my head on the curb out where I fell back and I mean, that didn't even stop me, really. It was the darkness of it, where I'd go when I'd drink. So, for example, Friday I'd finish work, half day, and the drinking would probably start at the pub on a Friday. We'd probably been to the pub on a Thursday. And I'm talking just a few drinks, but Friday top up. And then I'd literally spend all of Friday night drinking, Saturday Maybe I'd have a few hours sleep, carry on drinking, and then Sunday I'd feel like crap. And this wasn't what happened every weekend, but there was always the likelihood that it could end up like that. It was the emotions attached to it as well. I just felt worthless. Nothing got done, nothing that I wanted to do. I was just very much functioning. Say if I did go the two or three weeks without drinking, it would be going to the gym and and socialising. But really, I couldn't wait. I felt like on top of the world after two weeks of not drinking and then just go mess it up all again. I think just towards the end of December, the the feeling that I just referred to about drinking to get that feeling, it wasn't a feeling of happiness. It was a really numb, horrible, lonely feeling. I I remember on New Year's Eve I walked over the bridge because I lived near Chelsea Bridge and the, you can see the fireworks and, and I walked there on my own and I was drinking like cans of Strongbow which wasn't even what I drank. I just thought I wanted something lighter than wine because I knew I wasn't going to drink in January and I just felt lonely I remember looking at cars going past and everyone was so happy and all the tooting and the music and it was so busy and I just looked around and I really just thought I'm actually really unhappy and I hated everyone on the road and I hated the celebration and I just went home and went to sleep and and that day sorry I, I didn't mention that I had gone to an ACA meeting which I don't know if you've heard of that fellowship have you?
0: I haven't no. On
1: New Year's Eve, I remember I woke up and there was like a bus strike, a train strike. And I thought to myself, tomorrow I'm changing my life for a month. So I need to go and do something today that's going to be therapeutic or self-reflective or something that's going to I can learn to change my mindset. So I'd found this thing on Eventbrite called ACA and it stands for Adult Children of Alcoholics. And it's a fellowship associated with AA, but it focuses on adult children and the inner child and growing up in a household with an alcoholic, which I did. But I didn't know it was a fellowship at the time. I imagined it was going to be in a room with a speaker at the front and maybe some kind of psychologist. And it was going to be like a panel discussion because that's some of the events I was used to going to. I sat in the meeting. I thought I was having a panic attack because it was in a recovery center. And I almost walked out and I thought this is not for me. And when I sat down and heard everyone sharing, I mean, I can't really explain it. It kind of was a big moment for me, quite transformative, because it was the first time I saw that people had access to this kind of thing. And I mean, ACA, it's deep stuff. It's all about trauma, it's all about the effects that secondhand alcoholism has on you. And I was sitting there with an alcohol problem myself so it was like a double whammy and then that night obviously I went home and, and had the drinks and went on the bridge and then on New Year's Day I decided okay I'm going to go to AA today and yeah then my journey started really I think I've gone around the houses but hopefully that sums up for you. So
0: <laughs> no, that's a brilliant scene setting isn't it I mean how brave to go into something like that as I've said to the outside world you're a normal Drinker maybe a bit too much. Maybe you don't have an off switch. But hey, you're like everybody else. You know, don't worry about it. But to go to a meeting like that, mm.
1: if you think of discomfort and you think of being outside of a comfort zone, I mean, that was it. I was complete. My body was tight. My muscles clenched up. I felt I was going to be sick, I was sweating, I I thought I could hear every noise in the room and, and the thoughts, the racing thoughts were please don't ask me to speak, please don't ask me to speak, please just no one look at me. So I was kind of in two minds where I was trying to take in obviously the very powerfulness of what was happening around me whilst trying to battle my own consciousness of paranoia, worry, self ridicule, because obviously my journey started from then. And I definitely contributed to how I got sober and what helped me change that that mindset of mine from, it's a very difficult one, as you know, to go from, I'm not gonna drink for a month to I'm actually not gonna drink forever and when i actually say that now and even talking about this now it makes me quite emotional because i was terrified beforehand of not drinking forever was not even a possibility i thought that would be a pathetic life the only people i knew who were sober were celebrities you know to then go and make that leap to say i'm not going to drink forever i know that that decision it's down to walking into aa definitely it was like a little spark in my brain switched and I thought I can actually do this. And the more I started to learn about and see the reality of my lying to myself and that I couldn't stop drinking once I started and how much it had taken from me. And then doing the ACA group, which obviously taught me a lot about how much my dad's drinking had affected me. I started to see that this is not a joke anymore. This is so much bigger than just drinking on the weekend to have fun, that my drinking has been very much connected to very deep-rooted issues. And the seriousness of it, I think, really sunk in. And I think that influenced the decision. And obviously, then I started the Sober blog. uh, I think it was like two weeks later.
0: That is so transformative, though, isn't it? That moment that you realize how serious it is no matter how you can play down drinking it's about saying that this is this is a really serious thing if you can't stop drinking when you start if you sat there drinking alone if you're doing all of these things and your life seems to revolve around it and then you're stood in like you were on a bridge when everybody else is celebrating feeling alone feeling low feeling depressed it's serious you know, people can really play down how low your mood gets at that end point. And I think that's what probably put me off a little bit, because every time I thought about not drinking, I started to feel low. I started to feel like I was going to miss out. I had that Christmas period of saying, right, well, we better better, well, drink then. And I was just so miserable the whole of that time. Like you say, those first two drinks going, I don't want this. I actually have, because I filmed myself a lot at that point. And that's something I would really recommend people do not to share it on social media. You don't all have to do that. Like I've done, Mm. but to show yourself the reality of drinking, because that romanticized idea creeps back in, doesn't it? And you need to remind yourself, actually, it wasn't all fun and games. It was really rubbish.
1: Mm. It, like you said, creeps back in and, it it was very hard to manage that, and obviously, you know, from experience, like the first month, or you know, even leading up to that, just like this is the first time I've ever attempted to be sober. Like it's my first try at sobriety, and I do think if you know that the sober community helps me tremendously. Like it, it gives me accountability and and inspiration, and it's a way of it's a journal online, isn't it? So. It's a wonderful tool, but just for my type of personality, just something about me, it was that, that transition did happen in that meeting, that thought when it comes in to romanticise, like you said, and just have that one and and then versus the reality. You know, I, I do need to remind myself of the first month and, and the, the two, because the longer that you go in, the further away, obviously, the first few weeks feel or seem or are throughout that first month all I thought about was every single day the aim of today is not to drink the aim of today is not to drink it was pretty much as simple as that I did it in 24-hour periods but I did know that I'm doing this forever
0: yeah So so it's like live for today but this is a decision I've made
1: yeah it was no like maybe I will in three months maybe I will in six months it was very much like I'm doing this. I don't even know if I was like kidding myself into doing it, or do you know what I mean? I just went. I put every single thing I had into it, and God, yeah, it's making me emotional thinking about it. But yeah, I was just throwing myself into every form of self care that you could think of. So you know, I didn't just stay at home on the couch watching TV. I probably do that more now, to be honest, but. In the first month, it was like every day I was out at a free event. I was out at a talk. I was in the library reading. Like my days were very long. Everything I had to consider, is this going to be a temptation? Is this going to be somewhere that's going to help my sobriety or hinder it? And I do think sometimes that people like, and obviously it's not to tell anyone how to do their sobriety, but it's a full-time job. It's not something you can just think, okay, well, I'll just look at that in the evenings. It's a mentality. It's a mindset change. And it does require so much mental power to do it. Well, it did for me. Yeah. It wasn't all hard work, but it was... That my main priority was not doing anything that would hinder my sobriety. That really was the number one goal every day.
0: Yeah, and it is. We spent a lot of time thinking about drinking, thinking about not drinking, recovering from drinking. You know, why not turn that energy into something positive? And then, I mean, I must have read every sober book (laughs) on the planet. I mean, I read everything. I just read and read and read. And I listened to podcasts and I watched lives and I scrolled sober Instagram, you know, repeatedly. I don't do that as much now, but it's there if I need it. And it's that idea that you are always working on having a happy and healthy sobriety because you can have a miserable sobriety. And that's what I wanted to avoid because I knew sober people. It's like you say about the celebrities. I did that. You do. You look at the celebrities because they're the only people you know. So... Mm -hmm. I think you've got to do what works for you rather than feeling there's a right way or a wrong way to do this. The only thing you have to do is make sure you don't have a drink that day and that you're also working on your emotional sobriety so you don't get triggered.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the emotional sobriety because, yeah, when that period of entering into emotional sobriety hit me, it was like, wow, all of these things come back that only somebody who has had a problem or problematic drinking and then does sobriety, I think can really understand. There is a, should I say disconnect, I guess, with some people that I do speak to that aren't sober and maybe didn't have a problem. And they say to me, you know, you weren't that bad. And, you know, it wasn't that much of a problem. And it's just ludicrous to me because it was such a problem evidently and even though I did mask it quite a bit and hide it people knew but then again I was around a lot of heavy drinkers that was my circle so we all drank together and someone who drinks as much as another person isn't going to think the other person has a problem because then they might have a problem and yeah and I guess just like you said it is about what works for you and getting to that emotional sobriety, it was uncovering all of the reasons why I drank and seeing alcohol for what it really is, not just the drink, but everything it gave me as a personality, everything I needed it for, why I kept going back to it. I mean, it's crazy because the other day I went to my friend's baby shower and it was the first time I saw all of my friends that I used to drink with in a room together. And there was alcohol there. And, and you know, I don't know about you, but obviously I'm quite sensitized to drinking. I can be around people that do it. You know, the temptation, it hasn't completely gone away. Like, I mean, sometimes I I still do have that romanticized thought that comes in and says, oh, that would be nice, but I know better. So yeah. it quickly disappears. But I mean, in the room, I, I wasn't didn't look at alcohol and think, oh, I want some. I looked at it and thought, and not to be rude, but this is quite sad. Because I know that if I was here and I was drinking, it would be a horrendous time for me and including everyone else. Because I was I'm quite extroverted and I'm quite can be come across forceful sometimes, maybe. And when you amplify that with booze. I mean, I just come alive about 100% when I was drinking and not in a good way. It was very strange because it was kind of like my old life staring me in the face. But I'm different now. So it was putting kind of like a newer version of yourself into the figurative past. It was just bizarre. And I guess the emotional sobriety and really doing the work to understand that I'm able to grow and look at that situation maybe in a positive way and not in a way that potentially being in that environment could have threatened my sobriety. I was grateful that obviously it didn't, it wasn't a hindrance at all. It was just a lovely day that I could then go home and be like, wow, I mean, I didn't need alcohol for that. You learn from first-hand experience that you actually don't when you attempt your sobriety you realise that all the things that you thought you couldn't do were just a manifestation of, I guess, negative thinking. Um, but it's it wasn't real because now everything I do is a lot better. Yeah, so absolutely. Not, I thought it was the very opposite before.
0: And that's, that's it, isn't it? It's about going to these things and doing these things. I mean, not putting your sobriety at risk. You don't want to go anywhere if you're feeling fragile. Mm. But... As time goes on, going to things, doing the holidays, doing the events, the birthdays, the baby showers, the christenings, the weddings, and then doing it sober, but with an awareness. So really being on your guard and challenging, you know, why is that tempting to me at that point? What is going on here? Not that you're tempted to drink, but you need to get rid of all those automatic thoughts that are saying, wouldn't this be nice? Wouldn't this be nice? No, it wouldn't.
1: What I've always said throughout my sobriety is that if there's a thought, if there's like a yearning or desire to drink or that romanticised idea enters my brain... What I do is I have to dissect it in the moment. So I have to pick it apart and look at everything, every part of it. Why would I want that drink? What would the drink do for me? What would happen afterwards? What am I craving in this moment that I think, you know, everything you ask. I mean, I could be there for an hour just thinking about this one situation, but it transforms it from the romanticized to the reality. You know, it's gotten to the stage now where alcohol is so far removed from my life. I'm starting to not even recognise that person. I, I don't know about you, but the more and more that I go, I look at the girl that was in this room drinking on her own and calling people and listening to very depressing music, just in a very dark place and doing that continuously. And the the reality is, is that's an extreme it, it was very extreme for me. I, I mean, I could drink sometimes for three days without stopping. The reality is, is that is always going to be a potential end goal. If I have the first drink, I have very little control, if not no control over it. Whereas sobriety is the beauty of having control, which I really never thought I would ever love. I mean, I ran from control. I ran from anything that was secure or stable. I've just been like that. I'm quite a spontaneous person, can be impulsive. When you have those qualities as a person already, alcohol just amplifies that to a point of disaster. So yeah. now experiencing the other side of having control in my life. And I thought it would make me stiff and boring. It is so lovely. And even I think I saw someone's post the other day on Instagram and it said about Saturdays and having a whole day to do whatever you want. I mean, it's just amazing to, you know, you are going to the gym or for a long walk or having your coffee. But I just feel like you make the most of every hour. I um, do. Yeah, and that's obviously really special.
0: So I asked my guests on here to talk about three things that have improved for them in their life in sobriety. What's your first one? So I'd probably say clarity and focus. Those two things
1: are huge. Well, they're two wrapped up in one, I guess. I guess when you take away that fog that alcohol added the complete disarray of emotions and thoughts that's now been transformed into very clear, concise thinking. I don't second guess myself. I'm not constantly at a mental battle of what to do every day. Should I, why did I blame, self ridicule, you know, that's been eliminated and it's kind of been replaced with this very tremendous feeling of I know what the goal is. And I'm not saying everything's clear, but I've just got a very strong sense of direction and control in my life that I didn't have when I was drinking. It's actually saying I'm going to do something and doing it. And, you know, that focus, it's knowing that I actually want something from my life. And to be honest, like where I'm heading, like in terms of career and stuff and what I spend my time doing, a lot of it is wrapped up in my sobriety. My sobriety is responsible for it because it's just transformed my mindset and what I care about now. You know, before I'd say I was very much coasting along day to day, looking forward aimlessly. It didn't feel aimless at the time because it never does. You know, you think that going to the gym and going to the job, that gives you structure, that gives you focus. But these are just, they were things that just used to occur in a schedule. But when I talk about focus now, it's really looking in at the future and thinking, like, how am I going to attain those goals and, and stick to them? And I'm able to do that, I guess, because I wake up clear and I wake up without the fogginess like it's transformed I guess just my mindset a lot Uh, we we all have bad days but if I have a bad day it's because something has happened or it's not because I know that there's this deep lie surfacing around everywhere.
0: That's so interesting again because you say you didn't drink every day and yet you felt that fogginess Mm. as a drinker whereas I think people would assume that you're going to feel that fogginess if you drink every day because you're waking up with a bit of a bad head and a hangover and everything else. But alcohol stays in your system. It stays in your body. Your body has to process it. And in that learning about alcohol that we've both done on this sobriety journey, you learn how much it's impacting your thinking, your ability to feel joy, your whole life is being impacted. And then, of course, you've got that anxiety that sits underneath down to the chemical reaction in in your body and brain so it it was affecting you you felt even when you weren't drinking
1: yeah and it's so important that you've brought this up like you've literally taken the words from my mouth because that's the concept that i'd had before that alcohol only affected me when i was drunk and hungover. but it was so different to that like obviously my hangovers would last two days then I'd have no energy. I would just want to eat and lay on the sofa, feel depressed. And then the next, you have those four days to recover. But then you do the whole thing again. So really, my mind was never clear the way it is now, if I'm completely honest. And, you know, you mentioned about the not drinking every day. And it's so interesting because even now when, you know, I speak to people and they say, yeah, I used to have like a bottle of wine each night or maybe a few glasses, there was one stage of my life that I did that and it, I was about 26 and I was drinking two bottles of wine a night and I did that for about a year maybe a year or, or six months or something I can't remember but and I put on a lot of weight and then I don't know how I fell out of that habit but th- that I never did that apart from that period and do you know what it was if I'm completely honest it was that I couldn't probably trust myself with my job to have that one bottle. I was more of an excessive drinker. And if I'd had those two bottles with the job I was doing, I was scared that I would just call and sit. I wouldn't be able to have my job. So the weekend was like the safe time to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And maybe I would have done, but a bottle a night wouldn't have worked for me. You know, I want to know that I don't have to wake up and do anything tomorrow and I can still go out if I wanted to. So, I didn't realise how cloudy I was until coming out, thinking now how I feel. We're aware of every, if I have like a muscle pain or a headache, I'm so acutely aware of my body and my mind now, which I wasn't when I was drinking. And, And we do underplay it a lot, but it was just horrendous, the fogginess, even though I didn't drink every day, yeah.
0: And I, you're right. I'm, I mean, we're both just recovering from this awful virus. It's awful cold that's been going around and it's really reminiscent of drinking and hangovers and yeah. that kind of foggy feeling in your head. And I can't now I hate feeling ill. No, I've got, I've got no tolerance for feeling ill these days. I'm sober. I deserve to feel amazing.
1: Yeah, exactly. It wipes you out a little bit. And like you said, it can remind you of the hangover of the staying in bed and and just the, the complete lack of energy
0: um
1: yeah. yeah it's not nice but then I I mean coming back from the holiday and, and feeling quite low and I've had like a few stuff going on like in my personal life and then getting sick it was all these things at once but I did have to be grateful at the end of it that look I'm just going through a bit of a rough patch but I'm sober through it so that is the main thing and there's not really a pressure I will get back into the swing of things like next week I know everything's going to be fine and having that confidence which I wouldn't have had if I was drinking because I wouldn't be able to differentiate whether it was actually sickness or whether it was induced from heavy nights or now I know that this is my body's telling me something Whereas before I wouldn't listen to it. To be honest,
0: I would drink through sickness. So what about your handle? And this is something I wanted to ask you about, is your your Instagram handle is the sober extrovert. Yeah. So talk about that for me. The fact that you are you're naturally an extroverted person. You mentioned that drinking makes you even more extroverted. I am.
1: Extroverted to the core. I mean, it's one of those things where I think I, I'm going to start going to, or just doing a bit more research about extroversion because I have this conversation with my mum all the time. I don't know why or how I'm like this, and it's interesting meeting and speaking to people that are introverted because we we literally differ so much in terms of the way that we not not connect, but the way that I thrive in situations with people like even having this conversation with you I'm in my element because I love expression I love talking to people I just get like a buzz from it yeah the same as like I go, I do poetry events and I perform my poems and and that's obviously creative and obviously it's my own work so I'm passionate about it but being in those situations like when I come out of them I feel like it's probably the only way I could equate to that's really replaced my drinking. Whereas I thought I needed alcohol to be extroverted, to be my big personality or or talk or connect with people. It was actually just me all along and alcohol really made me just horrendous Louisa like you know I wasn't like a mean person or anything but being someone who naturally is extroverted who likes talking likes going up to people isn't intimidated by groups but kind of like absorbs that atmosphere and takes in as energy adds alcohol to that situation I mean I couldn't stop motor mouth and intrusive and it just wasn't a good look basically because it just amplified it this need for expression and and I think even with introverts a lot of people say that a lot of the reason for drinking was to come out of their shell yeah so I guess in my case it was coming more out of a shell that was out already it, it just really wasn't a good combination for me
0: we're sold the idea that alcohol boosts confidence isn't yeah. that like in all the adverts and so introverts use it to boost their confidence, to be extroverted and to do the social events. Whereas we're both extroverts. I would say the same. I would just gab on. Oh my God. Talking bollocks, you know, absolute (laughs) like you say, as you drink more, the social awareness disappears and you start to, you know, you may be talking over people or you're not really listening or you can't hear properly. And we certainly don't need alcohol. Alcohol is a hindrance, I think, when you're a real extrovert, Definitely. because it's like a recharging. When you were talking about the, that, po- the poetry and things like that and doing those events and talking to people, it's like your batteries being recharged when you're an extrovert. You feel deflated when you spend too much time on your own.
1: Yeah absolutely like I so I've got, I've got this really good analogy that I heard somewhere and I'm going to share it with you it's so the difference between introverts and extroverts if you think of it in this way is that an extrovert wakes up in the morning with no coins and as you go throughout the day and the more that you engage and have conversations and interactions with people you collect a gold coin everywhere you go so that when you sleep you end up with like let's say five or ten or however many gold coins whereas an introvert starts the day with the five coins and having to overshare or be in too many situations that they don't feel comfortable in they give a coin away it can end up leaving them feeling like overexerted or I always think of it in that way like I have a joke with my partner and we say he says you're stealing all my coins (laughs) 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 you're Um, a coin thief (laughs) yeah literally he calls me that
0: you know I've just never been any different so let's move on to your second benefit of sobriety over to you okay so my second one um this is a few things wrapped up in one
1: but it's kind of that feeling of feeling proud of myself uh feeling that sense of accomplishment that joy fulfillment those feelings are something that was so absent in my life as a drinker and you know we always hear this talk about the differentiation between joy and happiness and I won't go into that now but it's not temporary for me anymore you know I'm not chasing these temporary highs through alcohol or you know I, I I guess that you get your endorphins and dopamine from the gym and doing things. But I'd say that my life is just surrounded and my routine is surrounded with things that are good for me and things that are going to help me grow and help me achieve what I want to. I guess it is just a feeling of fulfillment and feeling that, wow, I've, I've actually done this you know for anyone that's listening or that anyone that's had maybe a similar journey or that understands how much alcohol really can be at the forefront of everything to take it away is an immense accomplishment and I felt defeated powerless like that really was the very essence of what alcohol made me feel about myself so my whole self-image was wrapped up in this guilt And this horrible feeling of knowing that I'm not accomplishing or doing what I'm meant to do. And I didn't know what that was, but I wasn't using, if say if I had 100%, I was giving probably 10% of that. I was never going to reach my full potential. And it's not about having the best career or, or, you know, I'm not talking about money or, you know, the ideal relationship. I'm talking about like myself, my worth. I never really believed in myself if I'm truly honest and you don't know that you don't at the time, you know, today I can say that I am utilizing what I have to the best of my ability and that makes me feel like immensely proud. And, and you know, to be honest with you, Louisa, if somebody asks what the greatest accomplishment in my life is, like, it is definitely my sobriety. It means so much to me because I never thought I'd make it past two, three weeks. You know, two months to me was crazy. So to know that I'm responsible for that, that I've made this decision, like, it's given me a boost, a real boost, that's not laced with a, a drug or you know something that's just been given to me that elevates my mood it is real and i think that that differentiation is so big for me because i always had very false senses of elevation everything was just oh exciting and fun and oh i'm going to do great tomorrow and i've got a new job but is it really that great when you have no idea how long it's going to last for it's just always, it was always temporary. So yeah, the fulfillment comes from knowing that I'm, I guess, going in a direction that I like and that I can be proud of, which is amazing when you haven't felt that for most of your life. Uh, Learning it at 32 is pretty, I mean, I'm very, very grateful for that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm learning at 45, so I wish (laughs) I'd learned it at 32. I really do. And I was thinking that myself, I was thinking, do you know what? You get these moments of real, introspection don't you on this journey and I was thinking on my deathbed you know nice light conversation uh, if I were to look back on my life outside of my children you know what would I be really really proud of and it was this is the biggest thing going sober is like the thing I've been most scared of, the thing i have wanting to do for the longest. And it's such an achievement. And I was talking to an old friend the other day, and they were saying, you should be so proud of yourself. And you know, rather than being British and putting it down, I went, do you know, I am.
1: I'm yeah. really
0: bloody proud. <laughs> yeah, and that's okay.
1: Yeah. You know, I think that's the first time I've really expressed that. It's such a feeling of it's a great feeling, I guess, that I'll start my day with now because it's not about having a big ego, or boasting or anything. It is such the opposite. It's like a quiet knowing, isn't it? Yeah. And it feels it, it's just great to know that, I guess, because we didn't think like you said, it was one of the biggest hurdles and it was something so huge So to, to be on the other side of it looking back. It, yeah, definitely grateful and, and happy about that.
0: And it is, again, like you say, they were temporary highs, Mm. whereas this is, it's like a permanent high, but without being false, it's just, you just feel, but that's not to sugarcoat it and say that things don't go wrong. Like you've said, there are things that go on that go wrong. And I've had emotional lows. I've had things happen in my sobriety, you know, coming up to 10 months now, it's bound to. Life's not going to always give you roses. Sometimes Mm. it's going to give you other things. Yeah. So it's, it's that natural baseline of pride, fulfillment, pride in yourself. You're not in competition with anybody else but yourself, and that's magical. Yeah, magical is the word. <laughs> so what's your third thing then? So I'd say the
1: third thing is – I mean, can I say everything or just every day? Yeah, um, go on, I'll let you. When I got sober, I was – in a very very dark place my drinking had taken like a turn that i'd started to lose relationships with friends i'd lost my job this had never happened to me but it was really like everything in my life was taking a dark turn and i i was working in a job that i got got decent money in and i could find another one that wasn't a big deal but longer I went sober, the more it changed what I wanted to do. You do all this growing, and this self-development. And and just so anyone listening, this just comes inevitably. So when you stop drinking, there's all this mental space left to be filled. You don't realise it until you've gone, you've abstained for however long, a few weeks or months, however long it takes, but you've got room for the reality of things that you were numbing before you know it's very hard to look at your life with clarity when it's throwing in bottles of wine every night or every weekend it does inevitably take away that clarity so that comes back but it comes back with all these emotions and there's room for that to be replaced into focus, dedication, motivation and I think that's what I started to find that you know I couldn't be upset about everything that I'd lost but I had to keep going. Once I gave up the drinking all of this creativity and all of these feelings came rushing back to me and it's just transformed what I want to do, the message I want to send out, who I want to be well I've done my course in life coaching and I just did my exams I've got a bit more coursework to hand in but yeah I'll be qualified yeah by the end of the year so I'm just looking into setting up my practice and my website and stuff which is just crazy I'm also doing a course in hypnotherapy I want oh, to Oh, you'll that. love it yeah we've we've done introductions to it and we've done quite a bit of it but I want to do the full-blown diploma so I'm going to start that in the new year but just what has sobriety done for me it has transformed I can never go back to that job I was doing before I started volunteering at a charity and they gave me a job which is freelance so it works perfectly around my schedule like I do so many different jobs freelance to pay my bills but I have a focus of I do want to help people whether it's sobriety or whether it's not whether it's general day-to-day like I'm sobriety isn't all I am but it's the very core of everything that I'm able to achieve like I I never would have stood up and read a poem that I've written I didn't write for 15 years so you know just thinking that it gave me back the ability to express myself and then perform them and obviously the writing a book it, it's just allowed me to reconnect with passions that I thought I forgot about or didn't think I had any more, but they were just sleeping really so I am so grateful for that because I guess I kind of felt like my whole life I was just I think I mentioned it like coasting whereas now I feel like I'm living it like in its truest form it's changed everything for me definitely have more of a sweet tooth as well which I need to work on but <laughs>
0: For or do you. I mean, I personally, I'm embracing my sweet tooth. I, I just think, well, I start most days with chocolate now. I don't mind. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, I guess going and having a cake and a
1: coffee is such, such a big event for me. Like, I love it. I love going out and just doing little things on my own. And it's such a treat, whereas before it would just be on the go, grab a coffee, go hungover on the way to work. So it's just finding the beauty in small things in the everyday.
0: And That's that joy returning, isn't it? The joy returning of those little things in the moment, because I never felt, I am i was sure there was something wrong with me, that I never felt the joy in the small things. You know, somebody would say to me, you'll oh, just sit there and have a coffee and a cake. Firstly, I wouldn't eat sugar. I wouldn't have cake because I would want to drink wine instead and coffee. Well, not going to do that. Whereas now I will, I'll sit and have a cup of tea or a coffee and people watch or write or read. And that somebody said to me the other day that it's the everyday moment, that one day at a time thing is also about remaining present. It's not always about alcohol and sobriety. It's also about your ability to not worry about the past, not focus on the future, but to be in the present moment, which is what we all need to do more of absolutely absolutely like and yeah I I found myself being in in
1: the present and being really there is rewarding as well Um, because I wasn't ever really present before you can't really be when you've got this mental fixation of where's the next drink or where are we going next or what am I doing it's very freeing like liberating to have that gone away it's not to be underestimated at all because I would have underestimated that. Like if I had seen a sober page or the sober community when I had been drinking, I mean, to me, nothing like that existed. That didn't even occur to me to research sober on Instagram. But if I had seen that, I think I wouldn't have believed it. I would have thought these people are making it up. Yeah. They're just saying it because what else have they got to do? They've got to pretend that it's great because they're bored. I genuinely would have thought that. Until you do it, I guess, until you really step into it. And I've never met a person that has said otherwise. You know, it is difficult. There are lows. It's not just all roses. Like, we know that, of course it's not. It's really hard, but the rewards are just unbelievable, unmatched.
0: That's the message we need to get out there. Because in my head, I told all these stories that it was going to be horrendous. Like, I don't know when you saw a difference, but... I started to feel
1: it quite early on, but maybe that was mental because of, I knew the decision was forever.
0: So I thought, right, I've got to start enjoying today now. I think it was quite soon to the point that I thought, am I kidding myself here? It's too soon. Yeah. Uh, but then different changes have happened because somebody commented on one of my posts the other day, when does the sober glow up happen? I'm on day 90 something. Uh, I was like, well, I sort of felt it start to happen like, emotionally and physically uh, after a month then yeah. another one shifted about 90 days 100 days and there was another shift about I noticed about four or five months yeah. and then six months and then you know I can't wait I can't wait to find out what a year is going to be like and 18 months yeah. is going to be like yeah so what would you say to Fran stood on that bridge New Year's Eve what advice would you give her from this vantage point? So somebody at the start of their journey. Um, God, I mean, so many things. Like, like, do you know what?
1: I'll, I'll just say this. I'll say that. Be ready. Like, th- This is a new self. This is a new version of you that you're entering into, a new version of your life, you know, and... It is going to take like any new habit. If you want a great body and you have to go to the gym, you've got to change your diet. You've got to put the work in. You can't sit on the couch eating Doritos, watching TV all day and then get that perfect body. If you're serious about sobriety or you really think you can't control your relationship with alcohol, then you need to be able to put everything into sobriety that you have the time and energy for. Obviously, like you said, everyone's different. But, you know, the temptations of seeing friends, you know, that fear of losing people, that fear of what am I going to do? You have to face that fear because if you go to the same places and you do the same things, especially in those first weeks, and months, it's going to feel quite difficult for you. I'd say a schedule helps. You have to be prepared that it's not going to be easy, that there are going to be moments of temptation. You are training your body and your mind, something entirely new and trying to break down a practice and a routine that has been consistent for tens or 15 years, however long. So you have to be able to put everything into it. If you want to see the result, if you want a new life, there is a little bit of letting go of the old one. And to be honest with you, I was full of fear leading up to what will my life look like? And is it going to be boring? And am I going to have the same friends? And how will I get through Christmas? But that's part of the romanticizing of alcohol. That's what it leads down to like, Switching that narrative has to come from realizing that it's not about the Christmases and about the friends. It's about you and your relationship with alcohol, and then how it's ruining all of the other things externally. It's this substance in your life that is chipping away at you. And if that's the relationship you have with it, then it really is about looking in, di- dissecting that, and trying to put in place a routine that you can sever that relationship with it just doing what works for you like I had to stay busy
0: sobriety being my number one priority do you know what I think it always will be won't it I think it always will be because it's like the linchpin of this happy life you have now it's it's at the core yeah so Christmas for you this year how are you feeling about Christmas and autumn and winter now
1: oh my gosh I mean yeah it's so bizarre because I said to you on the beginning of the call that I actually can't wait for autumn I mean we're in autumn already but you know it's such an exciting time for me because I'm coming up to one year and it's going to be my first sober Christmas since I was a child and not just that Christmas for me has always been as it is for most people the whole period of December excessive drinking by means of celebration to to be honest, I don't even know where I'm going to spend it or who I'm going to spend it with this year because my mom lives in South America and my dad lives in America. That, that doesn't even phase me. I'll be really honest with you. I'm so excited to just, I'd like, I'll probably get some of that alcohol free fizz, just so I could have got something. And you know, you still treat yourself to desserts and whatever. I just can't wait to wake up on January the first, twenty twenty-four and actually say, like, I did it. Yeah. Do you know? It's crazy. I haven't been more excited for something actually. <laughs> yeah, it's tremendous. And it's gonna be like a emotional experience because obviously it's the achievement and it's you know the one year of knowing that I stuck to it. In general, I'm just excited to be present and to have a Christmas I remember yeah just all of it and just looking forward to obviously what's next year going to be like you know and and I guess looking back on what have I achieved in this year that's going to be a really good telltale of you know this probably is the first year of my life that I have made such a drastic change and improvement in most areas
0: and that's crazy to say but obviously I know it's because I got sober yeah I'm on the same page completely yeah. on the same page and you set your New Year's resolutions and you you sort of say oh, this year is going to be different this year I'm going to lose weight or go to the gym or do all those things but yeah. this was the first time and I was nervous about it being January the 1st my sobriety because I didn't want it to be bulked in with this idea of a New Year's resolution. Same. <laughs> yeah it was like but this is a lifetime resolution for me and I can't wait I can't wait for Christmas I can't wait for like the the cozy jumpers and the fire and the hot chocolates which I'd never have allowed myself before marshmallows cream the works you know and and being present with the family yeah I can't wait for it. it's going to be amazing so we'll have to do something phenomenal (laughs) to celebrate
1: yeah absolutely (laughs) I might even throw a party I don't know like oh god I don't know I might I might host a poetry event actually but yeah like you said it's it's amazing obviously you have family so you know kids and it it must be so special for you to know that you don't have to drink through it and just really be present I didn't want to do it as well for the first I like I, I thought oh is this a bit too over the top is it cringe is it everyone thought I was just doing dry January you know but for me I kind of I do like it I love it now because every year it's going to be like what am I going to achieve this year that I naturally am going to achieve or or do so yeah exciting times I'm really looking forward to I'm glad that we spoke today because it's put a real spring in my step for the rest of the day
0: Oh, I'm pleased. It's been absolutely lovely to talk to you. We've been following each other for ages and with Instagram, you don't get a chance to connect as well. You know, it's really nice to sort of chat face to face like this.
1: I absolutely agree. Well, thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure.
0: And just to remind you that this podcast and all opinions contained within it is simply a positive look at what it means to be sober. It isn't designed to lighten the subject of alcohol abuse rather show that there is light at the end of the tunnel for anyone considering sobriety. It's for the purpose of inspiration and entertainment and not a replacement for therapy. Alcohol use disorder is a serious subject and so if you're struggling then please seek the help of a trained professional and don't suffer alone. Until next time, take care.